This morning we're going to wrap up our study of wise speech. How do we speak in a way that is a blessing to the people around us? And uh, how do we avoid speaking in ways that are toxic to the people around us? How do we build one another up with wisdom from what we say? And how do we avoid tearing each other down with the folly that starts in our hearts and works its way out of our mouths? Uh, We've been studying this for, uh, this is our sixth week on this topic. We're going to wrap this up this morning um, by talking about one of the most painful aspects of work life, social life, and one of the most painful aspects of church life, and that is gossip. Uh, Let's talk about wisdom. As we think about uh, all that we have studied over the last uh, several Weeks, we have learned something very important about words. Words draw from the well of our hearts. If the well is poisoned, the words will be poisoned. If the well is clean, the words will be clean. There is no way that we can learn how to speak well and wisely without going right to our hearts and asking the Lord to change us. There is no way we can do this. We can learn lots of nice phrases. We can change our body language. We can get the right tone of voice. But it all just stays toxic if our hearts are toxic. And so what we're confronting really as we talk about how to speak wisely is folly in our hearts. So all wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. If we fear the Lord and we understand that he is listening to all that we say, all that we post on social media, that he hears the thoughts that we repeat in our own minds, if we understand this, then we understand that we're accountable to him for what we say. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wise speech, as it is the beginning of all kinds of knowledge. Um, when we are soft-hearted toward our guides in life, our parents, grandparents, teachers, those who have discipled us, those who are uh, uh, leading us and discipling us right now today, as we are soft-hearted toward our guides, our speech starts to change because our hearts are softer and we learn to speak more wisely. So, It all starts with a soft heart toward God and toward those who are guiding us uh, in in our personal relationships. When When we soften our hearts this way, the wise speech that comes out is a blessing. We saw that it's a tree of life to the people around us. It is not a source of poison, tearing down, Uh, that speech can so often be. We saw that one of those blessings is simple truthfulness, simple honesty, the ability to say what is exactly true and the ability to distinguish between truth and falsehood. We, We looked at several proverbs about speaking the truth. We also looked last week at the issue of self control, the fact that A soft word in a conflict situation turns away wrath. And so when we approach a conflict with self-control, resolved not to lash out and to try to relieve our feelings with words, but resolve instead to say what is right, what is true, what is encouraging and edifying, When we say those things with a soft answer, it has a profound effect upon the person on the other side of the conflict. Conversely, when we don't have that self-control, when the dam breaks and the flood of words comes, it's always destructive. It's destructive to relationships and it's destructive even to our own spirits. So we've been seeing all of these aspects of speaking, and this morning we are going to confront one final aspect of how we speak to and about one another, 
that is condemned all over the book of Proverbs and, in fact, all over the whole scriptures, and that is gossip. We can put it very simply and bluntly. The foolish heart expresses itself through gossip. If you have folly in your heart, it will come out in what you say about other people. We can put it even more bluntly than that. A contempt for God expresses itself most authentically through gossip. When we have no regard for our accountability before God, our regard for other people's reputations and dignity and well-being is out the window. So uh, what we're going to see this morning is uh, some of the results of gossip, some of how gossip works in, in the description here that we have of it in Proverbs chapter 26. And <clears throat> we're going to uh, <clears throat> ask some questions about how we can become very sensitive to our own behavior and our own speech about other people. Let's begin with a definition. What is gossip? You can understand gossip by uh, an element of comparison with slander. Slander is saying something about another person that is not true. If you say, this person is a thief, when he or she is not a thief, you have slandered that person. Gossip is slightly different. Gossip is saying something about another person. And you've got this, this listener in front of you or on the other side of the email inbox or on the other end of the phone. <clears throat> and you're saying something about a third party to your listener. And whether it's true or untrue, your listener has no right to hear it. In gossip, it doesn't matter whether what you're saying is true, factually accurate or not. The, the question is, does the person you're talking to have a right to hear this? Gossip is telling people things about third parties that they have no right to hear. Or to put it bluntly, none of their business and it's none of yours, probably, if you're saying this. Um, so that's the definition of gossip we'll be, we'll be working on. It's not just saying things that are untrue about people. It's also taking true things that others have no right to hear uh, because those things are damaging to other people's reputations. Uh, so all cards on the table here. Uh, last week, I made some controversial statements about authenticity. I said to you that what you get in a sermon is uh, a damned-up version of what I am feeling about different topics. Because if I just kind of unleash passion about a particular topic at you it can actually detract from the truth of God. In other words, if I'm preaching my own passions about an issue, it can actually harm you by putting me in, in, into focus and at the front and center of your attention rather than God and His Word. And so part of the self-control of being a preacher and a pastor is saying, you know... I'm going to distance myself a little bit from some of the things that I feel about this so that I can give people the good stuff. Some of the sermons are harder than others. And I will just confess to you this morning that this sermon on gossip was very hard to put together even in outline form. And it's hard for me to talk about this issue. If you have been hurt by gossip in the church understand that I have been hurt by it too. And so one of my objectives is not to be too snarky about this. 
Notice I left a little wiggle room there, not too snarky. You may hear some snark. Uh, but uh, the fact is, um, we're talking about something that is among the most hurtful things that happen in churches. If you, if you ask people, well, why don't you go to church or uh, why don't you uh, uh, fellowship with other believers, guaranteed hypocrisy and gossip are going to be the first two things that are mentioned there. And uh, so uh, the, uh, the pledge I'm going to give to you this morning is that the examples I use of this are not near to home. I'm not going to be insinuating things about people that you, who you may know. I'm, I'm drawing from examples in my life and ministry that I have fully processed because I don't want to be insinuating gossip this morning while preaching against it. That would be kind of bad. So, with those provisos, let's dive in here. Proverbs 26, verse 20. Let's talk about quarrels. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. So this is comparing quarreling to a fire. And this proverb is saying the fuel for the fire is the whisperer. This is the person who goes around saying something privately to all sorts of different people. He never says anything publicly so that everyone hears the same version of what he thinks or believes at the same time because that would lead to something that we call accountability. The whisperer doesn't want accountability. The whisperer goes around to individuals and uh, leads each individual to believe a particular thing that is expressly designed for them to shape how they view a particular situation or a particular person. Um, basically, Solomon is making the observation that just like a fire is going to go out if you constantly, if, if you withhold wood from it, quarreling dies away when the whisperer disappears. Um, it, there's another version of this same observation. Drive out the whisperer and quarreling ceases. That's a fairly confrontational proverb, but it's worth considering that wherever you have someone who is constantly going around to individuals and insinuating different things to different people, you are going to have quarrels. Why? Because if this person over here starts to be suspicious of this person over here, then they start interpreting every little thing that person does in light of the whispering that they have heard. And uh, you've probably been in the position of being that person who was talked about and you can't get a word in edgewise, as it were, in those conversations. You can't do anything right because the, the well has been poisoned against you by whisperers. It's a terrible place to be. Um, and uh, the, the destructiveness of this is extreme. If you want to destroy your team at work, be a whisperer. If you want to destroy a committee you're volunteering with, just take an issue out of the meeting and whisper about it to everyone individually. By the time you come back for another meeting, everybody's going to be fighting mad. It's tried and true stuff, the tactics of the enemy, and it works. That's why he does it. Um, Let's talk about a word that I used a, a moment ago, insinuate. One of the things about this kind of behavior that Solomon is zeroing in on is how conniving and 
devious it is. The whisperer is never going to come out and say in so many words, he's a thief. He's going to insinuate or imply that he's a thief. The whisperer is going to speak to something inside you that kind of is a little bit suspicious of that person and the whisperer is just going to build that suspicion up a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. And the whisperer will dose it to you so that you don't even necessarily notice that it's happening. But uh, the more they give you, the more you are poisoned by what you hear. You say, you mean this person reads people and, and targets their suspicions and builds those up? That's evil. Hold that thought. It is evil. Um, so the, what's being said here are... Uh, insinuations. Uh, Think about uh, when someone comes up and gives you something in confidence that is information about a third party and their their voice drops and they kind of look around, their body language changes and they're telling you, I'm about to tell you something that you don't know but I'm going to give you the inside scoop We love that because it's privileged information. But all of those signals, the dropping of the voice, the curled up body language, the whispering, the leaning in, the flattery of, well, you need to know this because I know you're on the right side of this thing. All of those elements are telling you like a flashing neon sign. Whisperer at work. That's who you've got here. If you want poison in your heart, listen to this person and carry on that conversation. So we're not talking about verifiable, open, accountable accusations because that's entirely too much light for the whisperer. The the whisperer operates in the shadows because when the lights come on, he's going to hightail it back to the rat hole where he came from. Accountability is the thing the whisperer flees because he can't handle it. The minute he becomes accountable for what he says, then he has to... Uh, account for the 30 different versions of someone or some event that he gave to 30 different people. And uh, so this is what Solomon is talking about, the insinuator who will not be accountable for what he or she says. Uh, by the way, and just an observation here, it, it's, when we use the word gossip, it's always been kind of the stereotype uh, that uh, women are gossips. I will just tell you the worst gossips I have seen operating, all men. The most devious, insidious, flattering, and artful have all been men. So think about that. Our stereotypes are are not so good on this issue, at least in my experience. Here's a second uh, proverb. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. If you want to start quarrels, you have to be the person who has opinions about everything. You've, you've got to go around picking little fights with all sorts of people about all sorts of issues. That's the quarrelsome man. 
that is being described here by Solomon and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This quarrelsome man is kindling. It's like the dry cedar wood that you put on top of newspaper to start a fire. That's this guy. It, uh, everything that he says, everything that he's looking for, burns easily. It'll get hot really fast. and You don't have to work too hard at it. Um, one of my first churches, there was a leader in, in that church um, who I would meet with every week, and um, uh, we would talk about theology and talk about what we were studying, talk about the Lord, uh, but eventually I just began to notice this pattern that this man had opinions about everyone in the church. And all of a sudden, he's, he's criticizing to me, he's telling me something uh, that this couple did with their, their children over here, and isn't that horrible, and we've got to do something about this. And then, then there's this person over here who said this to his wife, or this wife said this to her husband, and you know what's going on there? Whispering. And so it, this man was at the center of every single quarrel in the church. Why? Because he had opinions about all of it. And I have found that um, when I have lots of opinions, I'm starting lots of fights. When I recognize that my opinions aren't really worth very much, and that I don't know as much as I think I know. And when I recognize that, that I need to free people up to live their lives out from under the tyranny of my opinions, when I realize those things, quarreling ceases because the quarrelsome nature of my own heart gets quieted down and I start to live at peace with other people. I was completely unsuccessful at showing this man the results of his behavior. I I could not get through to him. The church did not survive. Eight months, it blew up, done. Um, This is the kind of thing that leaves people adrift in their spiritual lives, sometimes for years, sometimes for the rest of their lifetimes, because their their closely held intimate secrets were not respected and handled with care. Um, One of the things that we do here to preserve ourselves against this kind of state of hardness of heart and uh, to preserve the ministry against gossip is we strictly maintain confidentiality. Um, There are only a very few reasons why confidentiality should be compromised. One of those reasons would be if there is a crime happening and you find out about it. I as a pastor am a mandatory reporter And so there are various issues that I must report and will report and have reported uh, because of uh, finding things out. Uh, And that is a safeguard to those who have no voice and cannot protect themselves. So that is one instance, but I think you can tell from that 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 is way out there at the extreme. 99% of the time between men who are discipling and counseling others and women who are counseling each other, I am very often at the center of that and our code is we ask, how's it going? How is this person doing? And what I'm asking for there is a general statement. We are making so much progress or we need prayer. It's, it's kind of stuck. That's all I want, and that's all I get. I do not need, nor do I want, all of the details of that counseling. 
Um, so there are safeguards like that that uh, we put in place so that we do not lurch from being counselors into being gossips. And if you think this does not happen, all it takes is one whisperer in a ministry and you have the fires getting lit all over the place. And uh, you should understand this about me, that this is an, an issue that I take so seriously that um, if it is exposed, uh, when it is exposed, I immediately respond to it. Um, there, is, uh, there have been cases where uh, uh, confidentiality has been broken uh, by sharing emails and, and different things and and uh, the church leader in question had the good sense to leave the church before I got to him. Because that kind of behavior is absolutely self-indulgent, wicked, and uh, disrespectful in the extreme. Because as a church leader, as a counselor, you have other people's dignity and emotional well-being in your hands. If you break that confidence, you are breaking a person. That is not acceptable. Um, so this issue of, of um, asking the question uh, before we bring someone into church leadership. Is this a quarrelsome person? Is this, is this something that is eating away at you? Um, then th this is something that we evaluate very carefully because life's too short for this. We do not want to sign up for the kind of, of uh, poisonous atmosphere that can happen so quickly. Uh, so, this is some, of, uh, some more of the observation that Solomon is making. Verse 22. A little bit of a shift here. We talked about the whisperer uh, in verse 20 and what the whisperer does. Let's talk about the person who receives the whispers. Verse 22. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. This is candy. It's emotional candy to get privileged information unless you recognize what the candy is laced with. And then it's not so nice. Um, the whisperer, I said a few minutes ago, targets something inside each one of us a suspicion, an opinion, a point of view, a chip on the shoulder. And the whisperer comes up and feeds that with privileged information. Maybe it's true, maybe it's false. You don't know. All you know is this person is feeding something to you that you deeply believe about yourself in relation to someone else. You're suspicious of somebody. And they rub you the wrong way. And the whisperer comes along, notices that suspicion and starts to speak to it and feed it. And say, yeah, you know, you're, you're right about that person who's kind of got a problem with this or that or the other thing. An insinuation that feeds suspicion. Um, so why does this go down so deeply why does this candy go into the innermost parts of the body? Because inevitably, the whisperer is telling us things we love to hear about ourselves in relation to others. And that's why we receive it. Um, there's an element of flattery in whispering. So there, there's this, this idea that I'm going to bring you inside the smoke-filled room. and You can be a, a fly on the wall as to what's being discussed there and who's saying what, all of these kinds of things. Um, well, who doesn't like to be a fly on the wall in private conversations? It's, uh, 
it's tantalizing, it's, um, it's privileged, and you feel like an insider, you feel like you know what's really going on. You've got the real story. Um, and um, basically what Solomon is saying here is, to the extent that we love that kind of privileged information, we are sitting ducks for the whisperer. Because we're basically putting our hearts and consciences out there as targets, saying, hit me up with some of this stuff, because I love hearing about other people. And that's when not only the whisperer is leaning in, but the listener is leaning in. And and a conversation ensues, and at that point, you are complicit in gossip because you have received the information. Sometimes uh, you receive the information before you even realize what has happened, and at that point, you're stuck with something unforgettable about someone else because of an edge to a comment or an insinuation, and it goes down deep into your body and you can't, for, you can't unhear what you heard. Um, so what is Solomon saying here? He doesn't tell us what to do about this. He just says, this is powerful stuff. And it goes down deep and it cannot be gotten rid of very easily, if at all because it feeds our suspicions at such a deep level. So there's responsibility here in the behavior and the decisions of the whisperer, verse 20. There's responsibility on the part of the person who is just picking quarrels over every little thing. There's that responsibility. But then there's the responsibility, verse 22, of loving the candy you're getting out of all these quarrels that are going on in other people's homes, in other people's business. So, uh, how can we speak wisely in relation to gossip? How can we handle this wisely? The top priority is heart change. It's the only priority. Because if our hearts fear God... And we know that every whispered conversation is a conversation blasted in loudspeakers in the throne room and taken down in a transcript. Do you realize this? The scriptures say we will be held to account for every idle word. We're on the hook for this. And if that is a fearful thing, good. Because wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. And we can begin to act differently, speak differently, and listen differently. Uh, And so, uh, these are things that uh, I think are absolutely critical. Uh, Just a, a couple of words of application here. Many of you are in small groups. Many of you are in uh, Bible studies. You know that things get shared in Bible studies and small groups that are uh, often very sensitive information. And uh, I would just um, uh, enjoin you, charge you in those settings, lock those stories down. Do not share them outside the group. You may uh, have the illusion that it would be helpful to the person to share those kinds of stories. Understand, if you tell me something, I, I have a habit of absolutely not mentioning it to anyone, even if it is um, information that I think is kind of neutral, insignificant, unimportant, I just I don't talk about it unless I have explicit per- permission from that person. Um, and the reason is because I don't really know what matters to people most. 
until I make the mistake of sharing it and then I find out that mattered to them. So, if, for example, in the bulletin you see printed um, prayer requests. Um, and you need to understand that the information that goes into the bulletin is confirmed factually every single week. We have people, Brad spends a lot of time doing this, uh, and, and so do others. Kathy spends time confirming that these prayer requests are accurate and that they are updated. Why? So that we put out there information that is reliable to you, trustworthy, and factual. But the other thing we are sticklers about is we don't have specific permission from the person being prayed for to share that information. We do not print it in the bulletin. And sometimes uh, people want uh, to put someone's name in the bulletin who's a friend or a, a loved one. We need to pray for this person's salvation and, and this kind of thing. Well, you need to understand we do not print any of those because we do not have access to those people to get their permission. Can we pray for your salvation on Sunday? Okay. I think we know how that conversation would go, right? I need salvation. Who told you I needed to be saved? How would you like it if you came into church and your name was printed in the bulletin? Praying for his salvation. Uh, this, This is not a good situation to be in. And a church bulletin can be a source of of tremendous gossip. So I would just encourage you, build the habit. Whatever goes in does not come out without explicit permission. If you obey that rule, you can't go wrong. It's trustworthy. Okay, let's talk about in more detail the tricks of gossip. Gossip at one level or another is lying. It's deceit. And one of the elements of deceit is the the nice face that we put on gossip when we share it. Here are some proverbs about this. Verse 24, I'm sorry, 23 Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. So what is this glaze? It could be one of two things. It could be um, a melted down dross of silver that would would get covered that would uh, be uh, put on a, um, an earthen vase or a vessel of some kind to cover up the fact that it was just a cheapo uh, thing. And so you cover it with a thin veneer of silver, and that makes it look nice and shiny. The other thing this could be is the glaze, not silver or is some kind of metal like that, but just the glaze put on a piece of pottery Nice and shiny, it's bright on the outside, but inside is just dirt. That's all it is. Um, And what Solomon is saying here is, when you have fervent lips with an evil heart, it's like you've covered a cheapo piece of pottery in silver. A very telling kind of expression. Um, So... uh, Here's where I, I will. Here's as far as I uh, hope to go in in snark this morning. Expressions of concern in church, prayer requests, are very frequently the glaze on a pottery that is nothing but hateful gossip. And uh, there, there, is, there is a moment in every meeting when, as your pastor, I kind of want the hair on the back of your neck to stand up. And that's the moment when someone fervently desires that this person who no one in the room knows or maybe you know casually, this person will 
be led back to the right lifestyle from their lifestyle of sexual immorality and the, abusing this and and you know indebtedness and then out come all of these details about this other person's private affairs that are really nobody's business. And, and we say to each other, oh, we just want to pray and we want to know what we're praying for. Look, that kind of prayer goes up before a God on his throne who hates gossip. How well do we think that prayer is going to be received by a God who hates gossip? It's not going to go well. If we want to pray about the the concerns in other people's lives, um, I think a simpler and uh, more direct way of handling this is simply to say, I need prayer for my adult son, I need prayer for my father, my mother, can't share any details, but I, I need you to pray for this relationship, I need wisdom, done. That's all we need to hear. We don't need a lot of details about what's going on in that person's life because especially if we want that person to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we've got to understand that we're not going to get them over that line by disrespecting their dignity as people. It's just not going to happen. Why we think it's going to happen, that's a whole other story. I, I think uh, there, there's a whole lot of delusion that gets going when we, we start imagining that we can hear personal details and not be affected by it. So there's, um, there's this aspect of it uh, that, that um, fervency, piety of desire for someone else is often a dead giveaway that you're hearing gossip. So let's put our filters on. Let's recognize this and, and see it for what it is and not be party to it. Um, verse 24. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Um, it's the hyper politeness of gossip that is often a dead giveaway. It's, um, it's that moment when you're talking to someone and they very sweetly, in a wonderful, pious tone of voice, saying all the right words, Lord love them, God bless them, but... And then the poison comes. And what Solomon is saying here is, there are seven abominations in their heart. Their lips and the politeness and graciousness of it is a cover, is a disguise for the abominations in their heart. Seven, the number of completeness. It's a symbolic thing. This is saying that their hearts are given over to hatred and deceit. Um, I'm sorry to say, this is a reality. This is not something that is kind of the odd thing that happens Every, you know, once every few decades, like this large moon that we're going to see here in a couple of nights, it only comes around once every seven year, 70 years. This is not like that. We are here in church as sinners. And so there is in our hearts this kind of abomination waiting to get out. And all the gracious talk in the world will not cover up the stench of poison when we start releasing those things. Um, on the flip side of this, let me just offer a, a little narrowing of this. This is not saying that politeness is always fake. We could cynically reach that conclusion, and I, I think that would be 
uh, a serious mistake to make. Not all politeness is fake, but fake is always polite. The smart fake is never going to appear to be offensive. The devil himself comes, as you know, as an angel of light. So this is saying politeness is good, gracious speech, that's good, but it's not sufficient. The intent of the heart that guards the reputation and dignity of the people around us, that is what God is looking for. And that's the change that we have to have. So this is not stigmatizing politeness here. This is just saying people wear disguises. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. And then finally, verse 26, though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. So let me give you a not-so-gentle warning from past experience. And this is the kind of pastoral warning that I don't give very often, but I'm giving it now because it's deeply true. We all need this. I need it. And the warning is this. If you are the whisperer this morning, you will be exposed. It's going to happen. I have seen it again and again and again. And it's not going to be because one of us investigates you and exposes you as... That's not why this happens. In my experience, the whisperer is exposed by the power and intervention of the Holy Spirit to defend his body. You are up against God this morning. And as, as much as we want to control the people around us with, by, by shaping how they feel in relation to other people, as much as we think we're doing good, oftentimes in exerting that kind of manipulation... And, and doing those things, as much as we think that, there is a God on his throne in heaven. He loves his body. He hates quarreling. And he hates gossip. He exposes it. And so what this says here is his wickedness will be exposed, passive voice, in the assembly. That's the assembly of God's people in worship. Um, And he adds to this, verse 27, whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. I have seen this over and over again, that conniving people start out with a scheme that they think is going to make them come, uh, come out smelling like a rose, ends up exposing them as frauds and fakes, and they're never heard from again. Sometimes uh, without leadership in, in the body of Christ that is vigilant on these issues, sometimes the exposure will take the form of people just backing away. And suddenly you can't get your calls returned. And suddenly there isn't a lunch date for you. And suddenly there's a pulling away that you sense because the body of Christ is smart. The body of Christ is not stupid. People know when their dignity and their intimate secrets have been disrespected and their confidence broken. And so in those situations where the body of Christ kind of lacks vigilant, proactive leadership on this issue, you'll just see the body just start to pull away from the whisperer because 
people will just say, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of getting plied with people's private information every time I have lunch with this person. I'm sick and tired of opening my email box and having nothing but complaints about this person and that person. And so people just pull away. Look, if this is happening to you, there's something very important you need to do today. You need to go before the throne of grace and say, I think that it is probably unreasonable for me to think that everyone around me just hates me and is unreasonable and suspicious and is out to get me. I think, Lord, I am doing something that is poisoning these relationships. I want to know what that is. And I want to change. If you do that today, you have a God who will warmly embrace you because that's what he does with sinners. That's what he does with all of us. And your heart's going to change. He's going to lead you. You're going to see restoration. Um, But um, there is no path forward without that level of repentance. If you are in the position of uh, being gossiped about, slandered today, and you're listening to this saying, check, check, I've seen that. Uh, You just hit exactly where I am this week. This is being done to me, and I am afraid for my business. I am afraid for my reputation. I am afraid for my ministry because this person or these people are out there saying these things. Look closely with me at verse 27. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. Even if someone is out to get you, worst case scenario, you have a God on the throne who cares about your reputation, cares about your ministry, cares about your business, and he will defend you. He has defended me many, many times many times and I have literally been in the position of David in the Proverbs watching things come at me and then get deflected when I had no ability to do anything about it because God is that good and he is that faithful. I will even add more to that. When I try to do something about it when I try to intervene and strive to clear my name, which, by the way, doesn't deserve it, when I try that, it gets worse. The problem I've found with slanders against me in my life is those things aren't true, but then there's about 50 things that are true. So I try to bear that in mind. Um... When we started here at, uh, at Grace Brethren, there was a period of some very sensitive conversations going on between me and the leaders of this church about how we would make this transfer, whether to make this transfer, what the plan would be, and how all of this would happen. Week one of those conversations, I started getting phone calls. I heard somebody say, you're going to Grace Brethren? Okay, I'd only had that conversation with about two people. I did not put this together for years, but um, it, I finally realized that one of the people I was confiding in was spreading it all over town. You know how vulnerable... This ministry was five years ago. Um, How sensitive that entire transfer was. And to have it spread around town like gossip. You know what the results of that were? Big fat zero. The ministry went forward. Because of all of the bad PR... This room was full the very first Sunday 
of people curious to see what was going to happen. I, I call this guy my PR man. He makes sure that people pay more attention to me than they otherwise would. <laughs> so what I'm saying to you is this. Do not fear the gossips in your life. They have no power. That's why they're gossiping. They cannot touch you. They cannot hurt you, even though it does hurt. And whatever you do experience, whatever losses you do experience, is going into an account book in the heavenlies. The Lord knows. And he will defend you. And he will preserve you. We just need to continue to work in his will, his way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask for your good hand to reach into our hearts and show us what is there. Help us to diagnose our own spirits this morning so that we can know uh, where we need to repent. And we pray that, uh, that you would do these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. There are a couple of questions you can use uh, to evaluate yourself this week. You can consider those. I think they're pretty self-explanatory. There are a couple of questions in the queue here. Um, When is it okay to name names and call actions and behaviors out for what they are? In what environment and under what circumstances? If you turn in your Bible to Matthew 18, you will see exactly those circumstances laid out for you. There is a time and there is a place. It is when you have made every effort to uh, reconcile with this person and you have made every effort to um, show this person where they are wrong in what they are doing and witnesses have confirmed it and have joined in those exhortations and it has gone to the church, the elders and uh, it is at that point that we name names and describe actions exactly as they are. I have had to do this, not here at this church, But um, it is no fun, but I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit goes to work. The Holy Spirit works in people's hearts when the lights of accountability are shined on a situation. And um, so it is those circumstances and careful obedience to the Lord's directions that are designed to preserve people's dignity and well-being by going to them directly and privately. It is in following those directions that uh, we answer that, quest- answer that question. Um, another question here. Uh, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. It's an observation from James chapter 3, verse 9. Um, Another uh, verse that has occurred to someone, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 4.29. Okay, in spite of imperfect Christians, imperfect pastors, in spite of being hurt by brothers and sisters, God tells us, Uh, Hebrews 10.25, not to forsake our own assembling together and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, Great word of of, um, reminder here that dropping out of the fellowship is a massive mistake. It will lead to bitterness in your life, even when you've been hurt. I have only found healing by staying in there and continuing to relate to people and, uh, and do the work of the ministry. Uh, does this indicate that, uh, that it will especially dif- be difficult to be part of a church in the end times? Yes. 
It does. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to understand that judgment starts in the household of God and the sins are being confronted in the household of God and so we should expect it there. Uh, and all the more as the day approaches. Um, very good questions here. One more. When is it... Uh, okay, what about outside of the church? Um, okay, so inside the church, we, we pursue Matthew 18, and uh, if, the, if the time comes, we name names. What about outside of the church? Um, I believe that it is a mistake to seek the same kind of vindication from outside the church that we look for inside the church. I think we are more and more called upon to trust God. Jesus says when they persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of things falsely because you follow me, you are blessed. And we've got to get used to that. And uh, so um, there, there may be a time to call people out, and I'm, I'm not absolutely denying that, but the broad testimony of Scripture is, be careful, understand what's, uh, what's going on and, and what's at stake here. It's the testimony of the gospel.